Are you looking for hope? Then you're in the right place. If you're not, well, you're still in the right place because we all need hope. Welcome to the Shine and Delight podcast. We hope to navigate life's storms together as we encourage and build up one another to find true saving hope in the only one that can truly satisfy. We can't fix your problems, but we'll definitely point you towards someone who will. Come along. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back with round two of sex, dating, and relationship. Just kidding. Uh, singleness and, and rock marriage. And rock and roll. And rock and roll. Come on. Cool. Come on. Uh, Noah's here. Rose here. Nabil's here. Andrew Scott Templeton, of course. Um, Roe, did you have some question to ask us? Since we're talking about marriage, I'm sure y'all went on you know, great honeymoons. What Everyone's got the idea of where they want to go on a honeymoon. What's the place in the world, like, where's the bottom on your list, the place in the world that you would least want to go on a honeymoon? My I mean, parents' house. Yeah, the town where you live. <laughs> Dallas, Texas. Yeah, exactly. Come on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, your least. parents' house. Um, I don't really have a least. I don't know. Well, I know for me, uh, we got married during COVID. So that was kind of a bummer and because we were supposed to go to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. That was always kind of my dream growing up. I was like, man, I'm going to save Hawaii for my marriage or my honeymoon. And then COVID happened and everything shut down. And so we were trying to figure out what we were going to do and ended up just going glamping, which was like glorious camping down in Wimberley, Texas. And so uh, it was fun, man. We uh, we had to get, we stayed there like one night in this like really cool tent that's AC, that has AC and it was overlooking the hill country. And then, and then the second night she actually found an Airstream and we went to an Airstream really for our honeymoon, but it was actually really cool because it's, it was on Lake Travis. And mm-hmm. so it was overlooking this, like it was on top of a cliff. And so it was just overlooking this beautiful lake. And so it was honestly kind of fun. It was very like close quarters. So it was very intimate and we were very like much by ourselves. And so uh, that was a lot of fun just getting to have that experience. And so uh, if you have to, Wimberley, Texas, guys. Dude, sounds super biblical. I mean, isn't Isaac, when he sees Rebecca, bring her into his mother's tent? You said tent? Yeah. Come on. That's the way to think. Uh, come on, consummate the marriage like that. Let's go. Consummate it. I really want to go to Santorini in Greece. So where do you not want to go? Yeah, that was not the question. Yeah, that was not the question. Not the question Dude, I'd be like the Af- uh, Saharan Desert is out. I don't want to go there. Super hot. I'd be sweating way too much. So would my wife, and it would just suck. Tuscaloosa, Alabama. There you go. Yeah, it's humid. It's Alabama. Come on. Well, it's, it's also the home of the Crimson Tide. That's really what I was getting at. Oh, oh dude, yeah. I totally forgot. Okay. Mm. Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I would never. Yeah, okay. Like, I, I just I yeah, yeah. never voluntarily I, want to step yeah. in that city ever again. Me neither. I never want to go to Louisiana. Oh, hey. Oh, hey, shot. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I'd go down there. They got some good. They got some good culture. Um. Anyways, guys, we are back for part two. We're gonna be talking about marriage today, and really how to have a God honoring marriage is the idea. I think. Yeah. Before getting to oh, okay. uh, that, I mean, you have to find the girl, right? And you yeah. have to get the girl. I mean, you could buy it from overseas, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I had a professor that actually did a mail order bride. Oh my gosh, from where? Oh, he wow. was from Russia. He was weird, dude. And he actually taught, he was actually my dad's contract law professor, and then he was my contract law professor. Oh, wow. Okay. That was a joke, guys. Don't try that. We both, yeah, we both thought, like, my dad and I both thought the guy was weird. I'm not going to say the guy's name, but we both thought he was super weird. And my, I mean, my the, concerns were validated. Arranged marriages are still a thing. Sorry, what happened? I think he just got tired of her. and like, No, so she actually came. Yeah, like he, he actually like, got a Mail Order Bride from no Russia, and then he got way. tired of her and divorced her and sent her back. Wow, yeah. that's a bummer. He didn't yeah. have the right. He didn't have the right mindset. Because um, you know, I mean, arranged marriages are still a thing. I think Indian culture still has a lot of those in some Chinese cult- culture. Uh, but that's what we did in biblical times. A lot of it was arranged marriages, um, mm-hmm. as we see, trying to figure out. And even past that, it was arranged for political reasons and allies, um, and making sure you don't have those enemies. Um, but now we have this freedom where we get to date. Um, 
basically anyone we want to. Yeah, I mean, but honestly, if that individual is fully pursuing Christ and running after him, and you are fully pursuing Christ and running after him and making God everything in your life, it will work out. Amen to that. Um, but in hot this take, in this hot take, I agree with that. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. Um, but in this culture, man, we can go find girls at the bars. We can find girls at the parks. We can find girls at churches. We can go anywhere, right? Yeah. On, yeah, you also have Tinder, Hinge. You've got all these dating apps. Like, Grinder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I have I never use a dating apps. Never once. So I have a friend that he he's been trying to get me to sign up for Tinder for years and I've I will not do it. And he's it's like he thinks it's a war of attrition. Like he thinks I'm gonna give in one day and I'm like, I am never doing, it. doing that. Like don't hold your breath. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna take some biblical perspective on this. You have in the old testament where Abraham does not allow, we're talking about Abraham, you know, Isaac and Rebecca. He tells, Abraham tells his servant to go to basically the land of his forefathers, of his brothers, mm-hmm. um, because he does not want um, Isaac to marry someone of the Canaanite people. Yeah. And we see God giving the Israelites commandments later on, do not marry anyone from the Canaanites or the, or the Philistines, to mm-hmm. marry only Israelites. Yeah. Um, because God wants us to marry other faithful followers of him. Not being unequally yoked. Uh, unequally yoked. Um, so the best place to find your significant other would most likely be in a Christian setting of some kind. Um, now, there are those one-off occasions yeah. where you find a Christian at the bar, kind of the same way that uh, you know Rahab the prostitute was in Jericho, one-off situation. She's one of the very few followers of God, of Yahweh, um, in that Canaanite culture, and actually is um, saved and put in the line of Christ because of her faithfulness. That's is like, that not an oxymoron? Wake up the prostitute following God. She most likely repented of her sins, right? Following God, recognizing that, um, and saying, I trust in Yahweh. We've heard what's going on. We've heard how you've been killing all these other individuals. Uh, We believe this is the one true God. And so she wouldn't know everything about him. But then coming into the Israelite culture, I'm sure they then taught her, and she submitted to that because then they put her in the line of Christ in in that lineage. Wow. Yeah, and also you said do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. I just want to clarify what that means. In the olden times, what they would do would then have two oxen pulling a plow. They would put a piece of wood in the like in these two in. I don't even know how they did. I think they put it in their mouths or, or I don't know. But over they put their, it, over their shoulders. Over their shoulders. Okay, so they, a yoke goes over your shoulders. Um, think about. Have you ever seen like a yoke that you could pick up and carry right now in the gym? They have those, but it goes over your shoulder, over the next oxen's shoulder. Keep going though. But anyway, so the reason why it says do not be unequally yoked, because if one oxen is much stronger than the other, they're not going to be able to pull that plow in a straight line because it's going to pull in favor of which oxen is stronger. Yeah, they, just, so, they just go in circles one way yeah, or the other. They're going to go in circles. So when it says do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, it's saying marry someone that is running after Christ at the same speed as you, so that way you can pursue Christ in a straight line and not run in circles. Yeah, I think it would be important to kind of, you know, uh, talk about what you look for in such people because, I mean, you can find someone at school or – uh, in a club somewhere and they're fun and they're nice to talk to and they're pretty and they're all that good stuff. Like what is it that we should be looking for? Um, so actually in, in the book of Proverbs, the king of Israel wrote down the advice that his mother gave him about what to look for in a wife. And um, it, I think it's really it's really powerful because, you know, it, it almost gives us a checklist of what we should be looking for. Um, it's from Proverbs 31. Here we go. Proverbs 31, sayings of, the king, sayings of King Lemuel. A wife of noble character, who can find? She's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Dot, dot, dot. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instructions on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness, meaning she's a hard worker. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. 
Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. I'm going to read that one again. I'm going to read that sentence again and a little slowly. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So practical application. Guys, if you ever hear yourself saying the sentence, but she's really hot, you're about to make a mistake. If you say something and then at the end of that sentence you say, but she's really hot, Proverbs 31.30 is telling you you are about to make a mistake because charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. Yeah, I'm going to say whatever you uh, attract someone with, that's what you have to keep them with as well. So if you're attracting them with your body, you're going to have to keep that body that same way forever. But you can't, whether you're a guy or a girl. Um, and so then they'd be like, oh, well, you know, you're not attractive anymore or you don't have that charm you used to have and I'm gone. Right. So when you attract them with a heart that's after God, you can maintain that. You can keep that heart for God for the rest of your life. In short, don't play games. Yeah. Okay. Don't play games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't play games. I think the first thing you have to do when you're looking for someone is honestly have a right definition of what marriage is. Um, because when you have the right definition, then, you know, you can go and you know what you're looking for. Because I think today in this culture, marriage has become such a saturated thing from in their eyes of like, it's just like, a fun, I almost think a lot of them just think it's a fun wedding. Like that's kind of what marriage, like it, that's what it's meant for is to have this big celebration. I found my, you know, my soulmate and that lasts for more so my soulmate of three years or so. And then we end up in divorce. <laughs> yeah. uh, she me for the next three yeah, years. Exactly. And so, um, and so I, I think that defining the marriage is the, a really good starting point. And so uh, I would say, you know, Ephesians 5, 31 through 32 Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And so, you know, we got to really look at it. Hey, is marriage just meant for me to get married, get to have sex, and then just have kids? I would say no. It is That is a byproduct of marriage, and it's a gift from the Lord that the Lord gives to you to be able to enjoy sex and be able to, and he commands us to have children to be fruitful and multiply Side note, that's what I write for every, you know, when you go to a wedding and they have you sign in. Uh, you write be fruitful multiply. And so I literally say be fruitful multiply <laughs> to every wedding. Make I go them to. babies. Uh, yeah, exactly. And so, uh, but yeah, no, it's just, it, for me, I think that's something that was set, uh, thankfully set by my father and grandfather who uh, really did a great job of just instilling in me a marriage is to represent Christ, like the, the, the bridegroom in the church. And, and, uh, and, you know, you see it start in Genesis when, God creates a man, and it's like a, you know, I was thinking about, I was talking about this actually, I think yesterday, you look at, God created the uh, Garden of Eden, and it's like perfect, and man, and then he goes, hey, this is not good that he is alone, and like that phrase of this is not good, was really like, kind of, like, I've always glanced over that, you know, um, but then he created a woman, and, and and that is what the picture is, it's supposed to be, it's, we're supposed to be, uh together as one flesh. And I just think that that's a beautiful uh, picture that God has created for us. And, and also for men to be able to have a helper. Cause I, I do think that women come along and like make us into better men. Mm. I a hundred percent agree with that. Uh, my definition of marriage is a covenant relationship between a man and a woman where they are committed to each other um, to honor the Lord until death. Boom. Just it's an office and covenant being um I would say much stronger than a commitment. Um, covenant um, being what God has instituted with his people of Israel um, and with the church and how he serves and sacrifices and says, I'm always going to uphold my end of the bargain um, and really sets the example of what a marriage looks like. Yeah. 
So we know in scripture that marriage is meant to reflect the love that Christ has for us and the the day where one day or the the time when one day Jesus will come back for his bride the church at the end of you know at the end of time. How do you see that playing out on a day-to-day basis for y'all? I mean like for you two when you're loving your wife daily, how do you say like how do you say I want this marriage to reflect the glory of Christ on a day-to-day basis? What does that look like? And that's kind of a loaded question. Um well, I mean, Ephesians 5, which I don't know where you slip into, but it talks about um, giving yourself up as Christ gave husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church uh, and gave himself up for her and died for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the same way, we are called to die, die to our selfish desires every single day. Yeah. Um, and so instead of wanting, like I said, in singleness, we have a, little, a lot more freedom. We can go places and both our answers to uh, what would you tell your old self was, man, do more for God and be more faithful, like with your singleness yeah. and, and grow in him. Um, because now we don't have the same amount of time, the same freedom to do that. Because inside of marriage, I have to be uh, mindful of what my wife needs, what conversations she needs, how I can be loving her, how mm-hmm. I'm serving her, and I no longer just get to think about my own needs and wants. I, uh, you know, there's, uh, I'm totally in agreement with you on that. Um, something that I'm going to give to you guys out there. This is something my brother asked me. Who I look up, uh, I look up to my brother a lot. Uh, he's been married for 10 plus years now. And uh, when I was going through the process of getting engaged and, and to be married, my brother asked me one question and he looked at me and he said, Noah, are you able to say to yourself and believe this, that when you wake up every day, that you will die to yourself? And he goes, it's easy to die. Like in a sense, like we would physically die for other women, right? Like I'm going to protect like my wife, but also I would probably die for, you know, if there's a certain situation, I would probably die to protect other women, Right. So that's kind of, in my eyes, somewhat easier than what he was, the second part of this was, was he said, every day you're going to wake up and you're going to die to yourself for that woman. And he goes, if you look at your life and you say for the, for the next 60 years, you can't wake up every day and put her needs before your own, don't get married. He said, because it is not fair to her mm. to do that because you are to honor her and to cherish her and to love her and put her needs above your own. And if you are incapable of doing that, don't don't get married. And that was a really hard question because I, I had to sit there and go, hey, that's a tall order. You know, because like right now, yeah, sure, she makes me feel good. We have some fun. But it's like when you're in your 50s, 60s, and it's like, is that the person that you're going to still continuously every day wake up and put her needs above your own? And that's something that every man should ask themselves before they get married. Because if you're not asking yourself that, then, you know, you, you may be in for a world of pain. So, man, that's also to know how to know when you're ready. Yeah. Basically, by Noah. <laughs> uh, the second part, I guess I would say, uh, I so I read this. I woke up the morning of my wedding day, and I wrote it on here, May 9th, twenty twenty. Um, I read Philippi- I was in Philippians two, uh, verses three and four. Uh, it says, "Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others." And that was just kind of like the, been the verse for me as I've gone throughout marriage of just uh, doing my best to, to count my wife as more significant than me. Uh, and I think that that totally goes against our self-nature. It really does. Like people think that it sounds so nice when you hear it. And you're like, yeah, I'm totally going to do that. But until you get into marriage, you like, I think like marriage is almost like a, it's like you're holding up a mirror to see how selfish you truly are <laughs> because it really is. Like I realized how selfish I truly was when I got into marriage and uh, I always thought I was like, yeah, you know, I'm 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 selfish in certain areas. I'm like, no, like I'm super selfish, and and it is something that really like I have to lean on the Lord, 
to to go to him because I can't fight this on my own. Because as men, we always try to like muscle muscle through it. We're gonna do this, but it's like no, it's like man, when you get into marriage, it's such a beautiful thing, but it's also such an incredibly like it can be difficult at times. And I think that I I try to prepare men for that that it's not an easy task because like you are loving an imperfect person, and I'm imperfect as well, and she's loving me back as an imperfect person. And so when you have two imperfect people you've got to have that same common goal of pursuing the perfect person, which is God. And so uh, a little tidbit I heard from John Piper. He said, uh, if your marriage is going to make God look more glorious, you must be satisfied more in God than in your marriage. Mm. And so it's like that, that pinnacle point of you have to be more satisfied in God so that your marriage will be sat Like you'll be satisfied in your marriage. Cause if you at times are trying to find that satisfaction in your marriage, then you know, you're, you're going to be miserable. And that was something that me and my wife just a couple months ago, we realized that we were doing, we were butting heads, getting mad at each other, fighting. And we we're just like, and we showed up to, to Sunday church and they were talking about how to have, like talking about joy that day. And we both realized that we didn't have any joy. And we realized it was because I was counting on my wife, Brooke, to give me that joy. Wow. And she can, you know, like, like she can bring happiness in life for sure. And like, and a wife is going to do that. But if you were like, I was specifically looking at her saying, you are causing me to not have joy. And I was putting all that weight on her. Uh, you know, that that is something that is so detrimental to marriage is that realizing you cannot put that on her. And you got to like honestly have that common grace of, hey, you're imperfect. And I'm going to forgive you for when you fail me because you're going to fail me and have that expectation that you work on that every day. You're going to fail each other. So what I'm getting from you is that marriage is not that paradise that, you know, at times, you know, when you're chasing after that, like, yeah, I'm going to get married and everything's going to be okay and we're going to live happily. You know, we're going to have a happy, happily ever no, after. What's the, happily ever after, right? That's the phrase. So that's not what marriage is. No, but it definitely is something that is beautiful and it is awesome. And so I'm not trying to scare people away by any means. No, we just get this idea on social media and we see these people of married. Oh, they're married. They're on vacation. They're on their honeymoon. Oh, they're, they got their kids. And we see these beautiful photos um, and, and beautiful pictures going, maybe videos. And we have this idea like, man, marriage is just great all the time. When yet those are just the high moments. And it's just kind of like we only see the mountain peaks and there's so many valleys and uphill hikes mm -hmm. we're going on throughout that entire journey. Um, so even on the honeymoon, there's probably several arguments yeah. um, over dumb things. Um, as two very different people are coming together. And the funny thing on the flip side, and when you're in person with certain people, a lot of times they're just dogging on marriage. You're like, oh God, dude, don't get married. It's awful. And all these different things. And it's like, but then like an hour later on Instagram, they're like, oh, I love this person. I couldn't yeah. be this person. I love this person. <laughs> and it's like, it, I think for some people, it's like, one, I don't want people to think I was just dogging marriage. Marriage is a beautiful and wonderful thing. And I recommend it for everybody. So. Yeah. So, I mean, you've talked about it, Andrew, and Noah, you yourself, you've talked about it, that there's this constant, you know, fights which might be there in marriage. Unfortunately, I think the society, uh, Hollywood, which pop culture doesn't care about you, so don't buy into pop culture. It has sold this other whatever uh, image, you know, fantastical image about marriage where it's a, supposed to be a bed of roses, you know, which... It isn't, right? So at what point should you be like, yeah, it's okay to turn my back away from this. This is not working. I'm getting, I'm filing for a divorce. Oh, in a marriage relationship, when is it okay to file yes. for a divorce? Uh, Noah, when does the, when does Christ, when oh, does man. say, when does Christ say it's okay to file for divorce? Man, uh, honestly, there actually is some debate to this of, 
when Jesus talks about it in Matthew, and yeah. we can talk about this a little bit of saying, uh, basically, if someone's been unfaithful sexually, uh, you can have, I think, a certificate of divorce. And, and I think some people, we have a, I don't, I'm actually starting to study that a little bit more because uh, I have have gone through and have seen friends and close ones that have gone through, sadly, through divorces, and it's really, uh, just really heartbreaking to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so how to love them and, and comfort them well and try to approach that in a biblical uh, stance. And so, uh, actually, I'm going to kick it back to you. I want to hear your answer first. Oh, okay, got you. Um, well, I'm looking at uh, what Jesus says, because of your hardness of hearts, Moses issued a certificate of divorce. Yeah. Um, and, and so Christ is saying that because of the hardness of our hearts, and that's typically like, I noticed that in my own marriage right now, the times that I'm most willing to do something stupid or be sinful or be angry with my wife is when I have a hard heart mm-hmm. um, because she has done something that I think is incorrect or I'm upset or she's upset. Um, and so that's when it happens. And if I don't soften my heart by praying to God or repenting, um, I can maintain that, uh, that same attitude. But he goes further and he says, except for sexual immorality, a man and woman should not be yeah. get a divorce. And that's what Jesus says. Um, and so if that is exactly what Jesus says, then I have to say for nothing else than sexual immorality, should you get a divorce? Um, and that's just because that's what the word of Christ says. And I believe that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And therefore I have to follow what he says. And that may get hard for people who say, well, what about when you're in uh, a bad situation where someone's like hitting you and in those situations and things like that? Um, a lot of times we see later on in Paul where he's saying if you're a slave to a master, that you are to treat them with love and to no matter what they're doing to you. Yeah. I think that also, though, you can separate without yes. it being having to get a divorce. And since oh, obviously agree. we want every woman, if you are right now listening and you are in an abusive relationship like that, I think you need to remove yourself from that, let other people in so that he may heal as well. Because I think that's the goal is that, uh, you know, we look at Hosea and Gomer uh, in the Old Testament where Gomer goes and, and is a prostitute and she just keeps leaving Hosea, and uh, and basically just keeps leaving him even though they're married, and he keeps coming and taking her back and loving her well. And that's the representation between God and Israel at that time, was that Israel was was Gomer just completely uh, walking away and just going and basically prostituting themselves out uh, against God, and God kept coming back and being faithful and loving that person. And so I think that's kind of how God wants us to be in marriage, just, uh, regardless of what the other person is doing to continuously pursue that person, mm-hmm. have this, this, the goal and the standard that, hey, I'm not going to leave you regardless of what you're doing against cool. me. Uh, and, I, and today in culture, you don't see that at all. It is all about uh, self-serving. Uh, it, it is, hey, are you happy in this marriage? Yeah. And I think that that has kind of become, even with the blood into the church, some of this pinnacle of that, like, it, you have to have a happy marriage. And if you don't have a happy marriage, then you're doing something wrong and you need to get out and you need to be happy ultimate. And I think that we are making, we are idolizing happiness. We're idolizing being um, in this like perfect situation. And that's where we fail is because you have this, well, as I think Neville said earlier, this Hollywood mentality of, hey, this is like, I see it in this movie. This is what it, love is supposed to be about. This is what marriage is supposed to be, this fantasy and when it's not that, when you get into marriage and it is not that, you want to cut bait and run mm-hmm. and, and find it with someone else. Yeah, and then here's the standards that here at church, and here's what I see at church, even though it may not be 100% their full relationship. Yeah. Rural has been really quiet. Yeah, I've just been thinking. Um, I think that, uh, as y'all have said multiple times, that our view of marriage is warped and that it, it idolizes the feeling of love rather than the act of love. In other words, I think that our modern view of marriage sees love as a noun 
not a verb. And I think that that is true not only in marriage but in all human relationships is that love is a verb and that we can have, you know, kind of a distorted view of that love and that the purpose of human-to-human relationships is what can you do for me and not how can we serve each other, not how can we honor Christ with this friendship, this um, family relationship, with a dating relationship, with a marriage. Um, the purposes of those is to serve Christ and to serve each other. And I think that the more that we kind of turn our perspective to that, I think a lot of a lot of issues kind of get resolved. Um, not all. I mean, we're, we're imperfect people. But a lot of the issues that we cause and a lot of the problems that we cause for ourselves can be solved just by having the glorification of Christ as the, um, as the highest goal that we have in our relationships and in our endeavors. Mm. Mm-hmm. What would you say a successful marriage looks like? Don't ask that question to me. I'm very single. <laughs> <laughs> no, on a serious note. Well, see, that's um, the thing. Is it a successful marriage from what standpoint? That's the thing. Is yeah. that I think we have to always define... Like well, from a standpoint, the, it's like within because the world would say a successful marriage is just having fun and having a good time. But we and are you're best friends with the person. We are coming as Christians okay, okay, I'm just um, sure. from the biblical perspective. <laughs> what does successful marriage look like? I would say a godly marriage is that you are uh, one that is you're struggling well, you're caring for the other person, you're loving them well, and then honestly, like I care for my wife's well being in the sense of hey, I want to put her needs first, but I also want to put her spiritual needs up there to where I want to help her grow and grow closer to the Lord. And she's going to be doing the same for me. And so, you know, I, um, I mean, my grandfather always told me he was a very wise man uh, and one of the more godly men I had ever met in my life. He, you know, he would tell me a lot of just saying, uh, it's the whole, I think Bill was saying earlier that the vertical relationship will take care of the rest. You know, it's like when you get on your knees, he told me he would get on his knees every morning. And he would pray and pursue the Lord, and so would my grandmother. And he said, "Man, it, when we would do that, everything else was taken care of. Like, mm-hmm. like that's the number one advice he can give you is is surrendering to the Lord and, and following after Him. Because when you're following after Him, then everything else kind of falls in into place. And so, not that there's not other great advice that you can have, and there's not more to that. But like that was the number one pinnacle thing that he would say is is surrendering yourself every day to the Lord and saying that I'm going to submit myself to Him. Yeah, and she did the same. And so they were married for seven years. Wow. The, the idea in the marriage that not only are you're second, um, your wife is first and God is before that. Yeah. Even above there. And I am second. That like My wife could say, I'm second. I know that God is more important in, to Andrew than I am. And I can say that, man, that's the same truth, that I know that God is more important to my wife than me, which mm-hmm. should be like that. And we're going to have a successful marriage based on that is, um, man, I was going to say successful marriage is uh, a committed relationship um, that honors and glorifies God, yeah. that is uh, making disciples yeah. um, or, or building people up. We have in Acts um, 18 where we have, what is it, Priscilla and Aquila. Um, they're introduced for the first time. I think yes. they're Roman citizens, um, and they're a married couple, and they do a lot to build up the church in Rome. But at that point, they find Apollos, who is a young disciple of John the Baptist, he doesn't hasn't quite heard the news of Jesus Christ. He's heard of this repentance and this baptism, but not of Jesus Christ yet. And he's proclaiming John the Baptist, what he's been saying. And they take him aside and say, hey, you haven't heard the whole story. Like, you don't know all the good news yet. And so they take him aside. They train him up in the way of Christ and of the Lord, and they disciple him, right? And they're a married couple that's making Christ known together. And I would say that's our point is to come together as a married individuals. And can we do things 
war for the kingdom of God, yeah, let's get married. Let's make it a successful marriage that glorifies and honors him through so it. So what are some practical ways of serving God while, mar- while, while it's still married? Because I have a beat of friends, you know, who I used to serve with, but the moment they, you know, got married, they were like, I just my charges, done There's, this, onto other stuff, right? So how do you keep serving God even after getting married? I think you maintain the same relationships and the same things you're doing, like, these, I think you're talking specifically is like a lot of us serve here. We serve all serve at the porch, young adult yeah. ministry, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of people come there looking for the the one, yeah. the, the significant other. And as soon as they find that one, like, peace out, I'm there, got yeah. it. I don't have to do anything more. I've got that. And they have this false mentality that, man, I'm in my singleness, I serve the Lord. But in my marriage, man, it's just kind of about us. Um, and what we see here, this Priscilla and Aquila, Acts 18, look at that chapter. And what do they do? They're married. And yet here they are ministering to a single guy. Right. And so I think my wife and I are serving at the porch being married because we want to show, set the example for those around us that, man, we are called to disciple and to honor God with our marriage. Um, and so it's staying where you're at. And yes, we change the ministry. We might go to the kids' ministry. We might get in a married couple small group. There might be things that change. Um, but your aspect of saying, hey, I'm called to evangelize and make disciples, that never changes. So you should always be on that mission. Wow. That's good. Maybe think like Matthew 28 doesn't say, go therefore and make disciples when you're singled. No, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations to those who are married and those who are single. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a more generic point, but I think it's worth sharing is that, you know, the two of you obviously love your wives more than probably Nabil and I can understand as single guys. And the thing that's amazing about marriage is that as much as you love your wife and as much as you are willing to lay your life down for her if need be, and to do that on a daily basis, the love that Christ has for both of you individually and for all of us is infinitely greater than the love that you have for your wives, mm. you know? And it's just, it's, it's kind of a great thing to remind us ourselves of that. And I would, I would expect that marriage is a good reminder and that it, it, it's, you know, it, it's a, a daily reminder of how much Christ loves you by showing how much infinitely greater he loves you than you love your wife. In the previous episode, we talked about struggles and sin struggles, right? At what point does that stop? Because I think, you know, this, this, uh, mentality or this this misconception uh, that is widely spread. The moment I get married, the moment I'm able to have sex, I won't struggle with pornography anymore. I won't struggle with lust anymore. I won't struggle with these things because I'll have a wife who'll be able to tend to my sexual needs. Man, if you were banking on that, good luck. Uh, <laughs> Your sinful nature did not change. It does not change at all. If anything, I think sometimes uh, Satan it tries to intensify it because... It's something I've kind of, as I've grown and uh, just as I learn more and more about the Lord and I look out into even the church, you know, Satan wants to make like the higher the pedestal in a sense of a person, like or greater the authority. He wants that person to fall even more because then the rest of the world can point to that person and say, see, Christianity, like they're all just a bunch of liars or whatever. It's a sham. It's it's fake. And so uh, I think that when you get marriage, like he wants marriage to fail. And so he's going to even like the things that you were struggling with before, I think can at times be become even more intensified and you have to be on guard even more. And so, uh, so no, it does not just take away your um, sexual desires or your desire for pornography or anything like that. Uh, It does, I think, help in in certain areas. Obviously, like it's a blessing to be able to, to have sex and it's a blessing just to be able to have someone to be there by your side and that honestly, like it's kind of just, I mean, not to be too much, but it's like to be able to just be vulnerable in someone in front of someone else and, and be naked and just be able to like be one and just get to hold each other. Uh, you know, that can be, that's a very sweet and it's a very cool moment to be able to have and just feel comfortable around someone. Uh, and so that it definitely does help in certain areas. 
but yeah, at the same time, like I'm just always trying to warn people of saying, Hey man, like, uh, if you're thinking that you're good, like within marriage in the sense of like, Oh, Satan's not going to bother me about this or that, but like you got another thing coming. And so like, you always need to be making a plan and being on guard against, uh, the schemes of, of the enemy and also like just against temptations. And so, cause it, you know, I, I look at sin as a, sometimes that you have a little cute cuddly cub, right? You're holding this cub and you're like, man, see, it's not that big of a deal. Like this little thing, like a little step into sin and it's fun. And then it, that cub, what it grows, right? And it goes into something bigger until it mauls you in the face and kills you. And so um, that's kind of like, that was gory. I'm just saying like, it, it does. And that's just what sin does. It eventually it grows and, and, it, and uh, sin grows into death. And so, um, so yeah, no, but I, I will just say for men, if you think that your wife is just going to completely satisfy, like it doesn't matter. I mean, and you can look to the, the culture of guys who date the most, what the world say the most beautiful woman in the world and yet they end up cheating on her right mm-hmm. and it's like so why is that you know shouldn't you this person who seems to have it all have all the money has the most beautiful girl in the world and he's still not satisfied yeah i was just kind of thinking about it is if i told you know if your significant other has an extreme problem with lying and then you expect them as soon as they get married to stop lying like or if i said you know what i struggle with lying but as soon as i get married i know it's going to stop like my wife is just going to fix my lying problem that's absurd to you guys like, no, Andrew, that's not going to fix your heart issue at all. That's the same exact thing for whatever sin it may be. Your wife is not going to fix whatever sin issue it is. It actually probably is going to get magnified mm-hmm. uh, in that context because now you have someone else you're butting heads with more about it who calls you out on it probably if they're a Christian. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, and you guys hit the nail right on the head. Um, I mean, obviously, I can't speak from experience because I've never been married. But, yeah, I mean, the the, the heart is the issue. Um, the human heart is not something that should be followed. That's why the Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things. And so just as a, a quick piece of free advice, if anyone ever in the context of dating gives you the advice that you should follow your heart, you should tell them that they are wrong because that is terrible advice. You should never follow your heart. Our heart is a liar. Um, deceitful above all else. It's deceitful above all and things. Stop watching The Bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I, I think a lot of us men, you know, we are currently in a stage where we desire to be married, right? Right. But that's no guarantee that it's going to happen. And that's totally okay. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you as much as he loves those who have been able to, you know, find spouses. And, you know, yeah, it doesn't mean that. Uh, but we have been called, you know, by this loving God. Our loving God has called us to be fruitful in whatever stage of life we might be in. Uh, according to, you know, First uh, uh, Peter uh, chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. Uh, being single is a gift, right? And being married is also a gift. Mm-hmm. So at whatever stage we are in, you know, that really should be the focus, serving others well, loving others well, and just, you know, uh, fulfilling the Great Commission. Um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, he says, I wish that everyone was as I am, but each one has his own gift from God, one this way, another that. Paul wishes that everyone were single so they could do more things for the kingdom of God yeah. inside of that. But each one has his own gift, and God has called us to a certain one do that and we're called to honor him with that gift if you were to say something to a guy who desires that what would it be he desires to get married you know it's funny i uh i a couple weeks ago i was at the porch and was talking to a young man i got brought in on the conversation a couple other guys from the porch have been talking with him and uh he was struggling with this idea and it was like you just blew his mind I, i told him i said man if the lord when i was single if the lord had told me to never get married and to never have sex again 
then I would follow it and I'd be okay with it. Now it'd be hard and it'd be mm-hmm. not something I want, but if the Lord's really calling me to do that, I'll do it. And you would have thought like, I just told him like something like a secret he had never heard before. Cause he was just in shock and was like, God, I don't know, man, I don't know if I can do that. And you know, <laughs> and you're like, and, uh, and I was like, man, here's the thing. Like, that's because when we come down to it, it's just all about who you love more and what you mm-hmm. love most and what you're going to put as your God. And so, you know, are you going to put sex and your happiness above pursuing the Lord? And, and I remember uh, one time I heard a story about JP. JP, what Jonathan Pacuda was, uh, had given a sermon, was down in front. I uh, was talking, basically had said on stage that if you are in a relationship and you're a Christian and the other person is not, then y'all need to break up. And this girl comes down and she's bawling, crying, and she's talking to JP, and she's like, "You don't understand." Like she's she was in a committed relationship with this other guy who was not a Christian, and they had been living together, as far as I know. And uh, and she's like, "You don't understand." Like I love him, and he stops her and goes, "No, no, no, I understand." He's like, "I wasn't denying or saying you don't love him. I'm not questioning your love for him. If anything, I'm saying you love him so much more, you're willing to jeopardize your relationship with God." And he's like, you have a greater love for your boyfriend than you do for God. And that was something that really like wrecked me because it's like, it's about loving, like who you love and, and what you love most. And your, you know, what you, like your actions will show what you love, what you end up doing will show. And so like, uh, so if, if your relationship with this other person who's unequally yoked or is just not uh, a good relationship for you, then like that will show whether you want to submit yourself to God and follow what he has for you, or if you're going to just go your own way and do your own thing. Um, and so that's what I would say is that when it comes to marriage and you're saying, hey, I want to get married, like you need to check your that idol of saying, hey, is marriage an idol in your life? Because mm-hmm. if it is, then it's really not going to go well for you because marriage, you're going to get there and you're going to be very, very uh, saddened by the fact that it did not fulfill you. Mm. Amen. Well, man, I've been thinking... Yeah, it's all about what master are you serving? It's really been yeah. on my head this in- entire time we've been talking. Is are you going to serve the master of marriage, the master of pornography, the master yeah. of X, Y, and Z of your wife, or are you going to serve the Lord and the Lord your God only? Or the master that is yourself. Or the master that is yourself. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, it's a good question right there. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in this one little part. Uh, I was reading something, in it, and so I'm kind of going to quote it, but it says, too far from, uh, talking about marriage and what it looks like, and saying, too far from perfect people are com- coveting the, their life together based on no matter what they have done in the past, no matter what happens in the future, in sickness and in health, and for better or worse, until they die. What a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ, the groom, and his never in his never-ending love for the church. And I just think that's a great depiction of what the marriage is. And also, it kind of helps me because I think a lot, a lot of times when you get into marriage, you deal with pride because you you have it's very easy to keep a scoreboard above your head and say, "All right, my wife screwed up here, my wife screwed up there." Okay, like hey, and you use it, you kind of build up this like rapport of like, hey, like I can use this now the next time we get in an argument. You kind of got like a couple arrows in your in your satchel to be able to fire back at her. Fire those arrows, come on! Yeah, and you just keep a little scoreboard above your head. And here it is talking about how Christ is is saying, no matter your past, no matter your future, like I'm going to love you, and 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 that's where it's like that grace comes into it, and it humbles me because I I don't get a I shouldn't have a standard or a, a place to stand where I can look down on my wife and say. See, I can't believe you screwed up here, and I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you did that, because it's like I would be terrified to see what God had to say to me <laughs> about the things that mm. I've been doing if He started pointing out the things I've done wrong. Uh, and so that's just something that, to me, like I try to help give to other guys of like, hey, humble yourself, because when you're humble like that, one, when she does mess up, it's less of a sting. 
truly like when you have that expectation that hey i know my wife will fail me today it allows that like mercy to come in and and honestly your your relationship will flourish a whole lot more especially when she sees that man like my husband's not getting so angry like he's saddened by the fact that like i messed up and sure like you need to address things that's not that doesn't i'm clarifying i'm saying it doesn't mean you get to like if your wife messes up you don't ever have to bring it to her attention you know if she's continually doing something that you know, it's hurting you or, or, you know, you would like to see something change and bring it up with her. But I'm talking about the anger part of it. Like you want to remove the anger from it. Uh, because a lot of times we go in, especially me, I'm, uh, you know, that whole uh, acronym of weenie of withdrawal, uh, escalate, um, negatively interpret and, uh, invalidate. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm definitely, I escalate things and I also invalidate. I'm very much those two things. And so, I have to check myself a lot when I go into, like, if I'm going to talk to my wife, I have to make sure that, one, I'm not going to escalate the situation because I'm mad about it, and then, two, that I'm not going to invalidate her feelings or her reasons of what happened. So, sorry, I went on a monologue there. Amen. Um, Amen to the fact that he said he went on a monologue or what he said? No, the fact that, that, like, hey, we have this tendency, um, weenie (laughs) is what he's saying there. Like, we have this tendency to be a weenie. Don't be a weenie. Don't be a weenie and invalidate what what, what my wife is saying or the other person is saying because I have a different perspective or different expectation. And then you say, oh, that's not what I thought. You're wrong. Like, whoa, whoa, simmer down. Yeah. Yeah. Man, and I've been thinking, like, about my wife and what attracted me to her this entire time as well and really thinking about being a Mary she said, what are you looking for for you guys who are single out there is a Mary, someone who sits at Jesus' feet and wants to learn and listen. Um, and he, he talks about that. And Jesus talks about it in Luke 10 at the end of it where he says, one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the best portion, the best part, and it will not be taken away from her. Um, because a Mary knows that she is satisfied in Christ alone and she's not going to be looking for you at the guy saying to satisfy me. And if I ever pass away, I know that my wife will be good because she'll be sitting at Jesus' feet no matter what. Uh, and that's the same way for that's how we should be doing as guys too is sitting at his feet and growing in him um, and satisfied with him alone in case that your significant other does pass away at some point um, which made me think I do have a friend whose wife passed away and you know she was 40 they had two kids and he's in his mid-30s um, unexpectedly of cancer and what's he been doing the entire time he's sitting at Jesus' feet um, that night still reading psalms with his boys and quoting scripture the next day and responding with man this this almost unbearable grief is only supported because of my foundation in Christ Uh, And that's what we say is my life is only supported because of my foundation in Christ, not because of anything else that I can be pursuing. And my identity is only as his son or his beloved daughter. I don't know. I can't add anything to that. That was great. Yeah, that was great. Well, thanks, guys. I think we're going to wrap it up here for the day. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to us. All right. The biblical perspective on marriage. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, please give us some feedback. We'd love to respond to those with some uh, more verses or some challenges. Yeah. Thank you so much, Noel, for being here. Yeah, we hey, appreciate I'm, it. I'm seriously, it was a lot. This is my first podcast, guys. Ooh, so, come on, come on. Uh, this was a lot of fun, and uh, I was honored, honestly, when y'all asked me. I was terrified at first because like, oh, man, like, that's a tall order to talk about marriage. And, <laughs> and uh, But, no, this was a lot of fun, and uh, to all the people out there, I hope that uh, one that if uh, – one I always pr- – I try to pray this is that – I prayed this before I came in. It was just like anything I've said that if it is not from the Lord, I pray that it will fall on deaf ears. Mm-hmm. And so um, – yeah, so anything, because I want to be humbled in that, knowing that, like, there's no, like, great answer out there in the sense of, like, what's going to give you the perfect marriage. Um, but obviously, just pursuing the Lord is, is is my best advice I can give to them. So thanks, Lovely. guys. Amen. Hasta pronto, everybody. Adios, muchachos. In English, bye. <laughs> All right, see you guys. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this episode. 
We hope you were encouraged and inspired to turn to the only one who can and will satisfy you. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them out. Feel free to reach us on any social media platform at Shine and Delight. You can also shoot us an email at shineanddelight at outlook.com. Until next time, be kind, love all, share your shine.